And the question is just, where are the nine? I want to talk about gratitude and appreciating what God does in our life. And we want to look at a situation in, in the life of Jesus where uh, he blessed some folks, but there's a point to be made about the fact that not all the folks that he blessed saw fit to come back and say thank you. It's very important, isn't it, to, to say thank you to the Lord. It's very important to thank God for his blessings. It's very important to, to think about the goodness of the Lord, to rehearse those things in your heart and your mind, to share with others and to, to speak and to lift your voice and testify. Uh, and it's very important that we, we maintain that attitude of gratitude. In Luke 17, beginning at verse 11, we find these words. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God. And let me just, let me read. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Now, this part of Luke, this, this section of Luke consists of what we would call five units that are kind of uh, loosely connected based upon the theme of faith and faithfulness. And first of all, in the first verse uh, Jesus gives this warning against causing someone to stumble. And he goes on to talk about forgiveness and faith and duty. And then we have this story, this, this account, if you will, of the cleansing of the ten lepers. And so the idea of faith is seen in the third and the fifth units. But when the concept is broadened in terms of faithfulness, it becomes uh, apparent that the, that the idea of faith runs through the whole chapter. And so what we're looking at today is, is a story or an account that's found only in Luke's gospel. And Jesus is on his way to his ultimate destination, his ultimate destiny, if you will, which is the cross in Jerusalem. This is where his life and ministry will reach their culmination, where he will be crucified for our sins. And as he travels along the border between Judea and Samaria, he comes upon these ten lepers not leopards, okay? And uh, one, one of these lep- lepers, you'll notice in the text, is clearly defined as a Samaritan, which suggests that the other nine are Jewish. And so Jesus has previously gone through Samaria, and he's already broken down social barriers and taboos by speaking with a woman who is both a woman, first of all, and who is a Samaritan. He speaks with a woman, and she's a Samaritan. Those are two radical acts because Jews don't associate with Samaritans. Uh, the Samaritans and the Jews in, 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 these, in this time did not get along. And uh, Samaritans were a mixed race people. They were half Jewish. And then they consisted of other various pagan ethnicities. And, and they occupied a region that was previously occupied by, inhabited by Israel and later occupied by the Assyrians. And so the Samaritans being a mixed race people, they had the, their own brand of Judaism. And it was based on the, the Torah 
like Judaism, but they, it had its own distinctive flavor. And one of the main features of, of Samaritan religion was the idea that Jerusalem was not, the temple in Jerusalem was not the place to worship God. The proper place to worship God was on Mount Gerizim. And, uh, and they felt like their religion and, and their way of, of worshiping God was superior to that of the Jews. And you'll recall from Jesus' conversation with the woman at the well that she raises questions of religion and faith because of the distinction and the differences that were held. And there was this deep hostility between the Jews and, and the Samaritans. And, 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 and they, they were viewed by the Jews of Jesus' uh, the, the, of Jesus day, the Samaritans were viewed as outcasts, and they were to be avoided at all costs. And so this guy that we see in our text this morning, he's an outcast on two points because he's a Samaritan and he's also a leper. And leprosy was this horrible skin disease uh, uh, in the Old Testament prescribed quarantine for, from the rest of society in Leviticus 13 when you were leprous. Uh, the Bible did not go so far as some of the Jewish teachers did in their, the things that they came up, the rules and things like blaming the disease on the leper's sin and all that stuff. People like to, to attribute uh, our calamity sometimes to our, mis, to our misdeeds and to our mistakes and sins, right? You know how we, we are? That came later, but leprosy was a highly contagious disease, and so you were to be quarantined, if you will. <clears throat> now, in the midst of our affliction, though, sometimes we need to be reminded that it's not necessarily our sin or our wrong that has landed us in the predicament that we're faced with. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, there are people that, be, that get sick. There are people that, that experience loss in life. There are people that die. The things that happen, and it's not because God is mad at them necessarily. We live in a fallen world where sickness and disease and calamity all these things, tragedies, they're all commonplace. And so these lepers were the, the outcasts from the rest of society. And they're the kind of folks that healthy people would want to kind of, you know, stay away from. Kind of like people with coronavirus right now, right? And, and so what we saw in verse 13, the lepers, uh, they all approach Jesus with humility, which is the proper Old Testament way to approach God, or one of his representatives if you go for prayer. And so they lay their eyes on Jesus and they cry out, Lord, have pity on us or Lord, have mercy on us. And some, some suggest that maybe what they really were doing was basically trying to solicit alms, maybe trying to get, a, get some money, get some, some, you know, some, some cash. But I think it's fairly clear that they really are appealing to Jesus to heal them of their leprosy. And you'll notice when we read the text that they called out with a loud voice. Amen. And I think most of us know what it's like to cry out to Jesus with a loud voice. Any of y'all know what I'm talking about? Uh, in the midst of our affliction, in the midst of our struggle, in the midst of our pain. And, and you'll notice also, as we read the story, that Jesus doesn't pronounce healing. He doesn't say, be healed. Reminds me of a guy that went to a, one of the, uh, uh, televangelists. He said to the televangelist, he said, I want you to pray for my hearing. Televangelist put his hands on the man's head and he, he said, In the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus. And he says, How are you hearing now? We said, Well, actually, my hearing's not till next Tuesday at the court. <coughs> <coughs> but Jesus doesn't pronounce healing. He, he doesn't say, Be healed. He simply tells them in verse 14 to go and show themselves to the preach of uh, the priest. And, and the Bible had 
prescribed these sacrifices. If someone's leprosy was cured in Leviticus 14, there's certain things you're supposed to go through when you get cured of leprosy. And by complying with these regulations, notice that Jesus, in this case, does nothing to violate the law or offend the priest, right? It also reminds us of one other thing, that real miracles are verifiable. In other words, this was a real miracle. They could go and present themselves to the priest and be pronounced clean. It would be obvious that they really were healed. But notice in the latter part of verse 14, it says this. As they went, they were cleansed. So when we cry out to God for mercy, sometimes he tells us that there's something that we are to do. Sometimes there are certain steps that we are to take. When we turn and act in obedience, sometimes that's all it takes. Verses 15 and 16, one of them, when he saw he was healed, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. One of them. One came back. One came back praising God in a loud voice, praising Jesus in a loud voice. This man was a Samaritan. And his ethnicity and his religious background are are significant and important to the story. Uh, Because on their own terms, the Samaritans, they they were pious. They were religious. But Jewish people thought they were irreligious. You follow me? Religious Jews avoided dealings with them. And so there's some tension in that, that fact that, that provides some of the poignancy of the story that a Samaritan would travel with Jewish lepers. What, what, do you, what does that say to us? Number one, in this area between Samaria and Galilee, it, 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 it demonstrates how severe their level of outcast was. And that outcast as being lepers, it erased all the other social distinctions. And so often it's our pain, our affliction that unites us with others, others of like circumstance, irrespective of social boundaries or, or class or anything else that might divide us. They, had, they were, in essence, the fellowship of lepers. They shared that one thing. And so though Jew and Samaritan, though they were, they were on the outs on that level, the leprosy brought them together. And so the Samaritans and their fellow, their Jewish fellow outcasts became this fellowship of the afflicted. But notice the, the, the important thing of the story. Who is it that comes back to say thank you? It's not the Jewish guys. It's the Samaritan, only the Samaritan who comes back. And so, you know, I, I, when I think about this, I'm, aren't you glad that Jesus reaches out to outcasts? Aren't you glad that outcasts like me and you, right, right, because we all were born in sin. Aren't you glad that we have been included in the family of God? I am so glad this morning that it doesn't matter what side of the tracks you come from. It doesn't matter your nationality, your race. Jesus isn't splitting hairs over your denomination or your church affiliation like we tend to do. When we cry out to Jesus for mercy, Jesus looks beyond our fault and sees our need. When, when we cry out to Jesus for, for mercy, Jesus looks beyond our, our failures and sees our future. When we cry out to Jesus for mercy, he looks beyond our mess and sees us as the masterpieces that we were created to be. And so this man was a Samaritan. And Luke is setting the stage for what's coming. The good news of the kingdom of God will come first to the house of Israel, right? Jesus has come unto his own, and his own will not and have not received him up to this point. But to as many as received him, according to John, 
to as many as believe on his name, as John declares, he will give power to become sons and daughters of God. And so Jew and Gentile, male and female, slave and free, social barriers and boundaries and distinctions that separate people will all crumble under the message of the gospel, under the the rule of the kingdom of God. And through Christ, God will create one and has created one new humanity. And as we follow Luke's narrative all the way into the book of Acts, we see that come together. But look again at verse 5. He says, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Turn to somebody next to you, right? Where are the other nine? Where are the rest of them at? No one has returned. Has no one returned to to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise up and go. Your faith has made you well. One of them. Basically, 10%. Where are the rest of them? Where are the other nine? Where are the other outcasts that I I healed, that 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 I blessed? Only the foreigner, only the Samaritan had returned. And sometimes it's it's not the church folks. Sometimes it's not the folks you expect that express gratitude and thanksgiving for God. Because for some of us, miracles can become commonplace. And we're used to the blessing of God. And we expect Jesus to do all kinds of good stuff for us all the time, as we rightfully should, because he does that. But I'm going to tell you who who is really appreciative. It's the drug addict who's been set free whose life is overflowing with, with gratitude. It's the outcasts, it's the outsiders, the, the ne'er-do-wells, the, 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 the ones that we write off. Those are the ones that we gave up on, that when God touches their lives, they dare to turn around, go back to Jesus and express their gratitude. It's the former outcasts that, who often go all the way out for God when they've been healed because <clears throat> they remain in touch with the reality of their plight, the severity of their pain, and the reality that if it had not been for Jesus... They would still be walking around unclean. Has no one returned but this foreigner, Jesus asked? Now that is a rhetorical question. And obviously the implied answer, the rhetorical answer is no. Has no one returned but this foreigner? Don't see any. They're gone. Notice what Jesus says in verse 19. Rise and go. Your faith has made. You will. Wait a minute. Wait, wait. Back up. Hold up. I thought they were they were all healed as they went. And then this Samaritan comes back to thank Jesus, and he throws himself at Jesus' feet because he saw that he'd been healed. But but what's going on here? What about the rest of them? Are, aren't they healed as well? Why does he then pronounce healing on this foreigner? Well. Sometimes you have to read between the lines just a little bit. You have to get backside of the story. Because you see, there's physical healing. There is rescue. There is bailout. There is relief from affliction. There's financial reprieve. And there are all kinds of miracles that God does in the lives of his people. Some of the stories we heard today about what God is doing and has done. But listen to me. Listen to me very carefully. The healing of your body is one thing, and it's a good thing. Amen? If any of y'all ever been sick and got well, you know that healing is a blessing. 
But there's the healing of your body, but there's one other dimension of healing that is just as important or maybe more so. It is the healing of your life. There's the touch of God in our lives in the areas where we desperately need that touch. When we cry out to God for mercy, and then there's that entry into the kingdom of God when we bring all that we are and all that we have under the umbrella of Christ's rule and reign. In other words, it's one thing that they all got healed, but this man got touched in a deeper and more thorough way because he came back and established a relationship with the master. And I think it, it, what happens here is kind of, it looks like conversion, doesn't it? The others were healed physically, but this man was healed physically and healed spiritually. Because there's something healing about having enough gratitude in your heart to say thank you to Jesus, to say thank you to God for what he's done in your life, to realize that I can praise God from whom all blessings flow. And this man received the fullness of everything that Jesus has to offer. He not only got something from Jesus, but he was able to give something back. What did he give back? He gave back gratitude, worship. And Jesus viewed this response as indicative of faith that results in the Samaritan, Samaritan having not just got healed, but having entered into the kingdom of God. That's the power of gratitude. That's what a life-changing encounter with Jesus looks like. So there's a few things we can, we can gather from all of this this morning. Number one, notice the parallel use of the words in a loud voice in verses 13 and 15. They cried out to God. They cried out to Jesus in a loud voice for mercy. And the Samaritan gave thanks in a loud voice. And let me tell you this. I think we should thank God at least as fervently as we cry out to him in the midst of our need. You know, sometimes there's a dichotomy. Sometimes there is a a distinction because when we're crying, God, help me. You're driving down the freeway with the windows rolled up so nobody thinks you're crazy. Hopefully your windows are tinted. You say, God, I need you to help me, help me. Then when God, when when Jesus comes through for you, thank you, Lord. (laughs) Some of y'all may wonder why, if if you, if you're new to settings like this, you may wonder why folks get excited up in here and where we like to make some noise. And, and, and if you stay around long enough, brother Demetrius, if you stay around long enough, you'll know, you'll you'll see, sometimes you'll see some, you ever seen folks run, run, run up the aisle? If you stay long enough, you might see somebody cut a little step and dance. If you stay long enough, you might see somebody jump for joy. If you stay around, because, because I think that we understand the power and the value of gratitude, and we need to praise God that way. And we don't need to pump it up and, and try to make folks, but you know what? You know it when you're thankful, man. And so th- th- this, this guy, he, he cries out. They cry out with a loud voice, but he gives thanks with a loud voice, with the same level of intensity. See, we tend to be demonstrative in our, in our cry for mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, help me. And then we get all dignified after he's come through for us. So I think the intensity of our gratitude should match the intensity of our, of our cry. Second thing is this. We need to realize that God is looking for thankful, grateful folks. In, in this, remember when in, in Jesus' uh, conversation with the Samaritan uh, woman, he said that God was looking for a certain kind of worshiper. He's looking for people that would worship him uh, uh, in spirit and in truth. You remember that? And in the text before us, Jesus is looking for the one who will give thanks. And he says, he asks the question, where are the others? Has no one else returned to praise God? We have to be careful to not get caught up in the thanklessness and the ingratitude of our culture and our generation. We live in an age of complaint and gripe. 
we live in an age where everybody's got a beef with somebody. But most of the time, people fail to often give thanks to God, even give thanks to each other. We dare not get caught up to, 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 in that thanklessness. And we expect God to do all these great things for us as Christians, but we offer little by way of thanksgiving and gratitude. And remember this, that gratitude and thanks spoken is only one side of the equation. True gratitude begins with our lips, but guess where it's completed? Through our lives. It begins on the lips, but it it is completed and lived out and worked out in our lives. Amen. Now, sometimes people try to, to create statistics where they're not present because... But it, it is interesting, isn't it, that, that out of the ten, only one comes back. And it implies something like, like uh, 10% of people apparently really appreciate things or really pr- appreciate Jesus, really appreciate God sufficiently or enough. And, and, and so this morning, let's, you and me, let's, let's, make, a, let's make a pact, okay? Let's, let's, let's enter into a kind of covenant this morning. Let's, let's, let, let's make an agreement that we want to be of the 10%. We want to be the 10 percenters. That's good for your tithing too. But we want to be 10 percenters as far as we want to be one of that, of that thankful generation. We want to be one, some of those grateful folks. I, I would rather we err on the side of being too noisy, going too long, t- crying too many tears, running around too many aisles, you know, tearing up stuff. I'd rather err on that side than be so detached and so cold about God that we don't care and we fail to give him the, uh, the love and the appreciation and the thanksgiving that he deserves. Number three, I think... The way this ends with the Samaritan returning to give thanks and Jesus pronouncing what we described as a little bit more of a comprehensive kind of healing of the man's life. I think it suggests to us this, and this is really important. I believe this with all my heart. Gratitude positions us to receive the full dimension of God's power in our lives. Gratitude positions us, it conditions us, it places us in a posture. It opens us up to the greatest and choicest blessings of God. And so when we fail to be grateful, we deprive ourselves of, of, of that benefit and that blessing. You see, you may need to be healed in your body this morning, but the, the complete work that God wants to do is a total transformation of your life. And maybe today you're crying out, asking to be you know, extricated from that situation or this situation. Maybe you want to be taken out of this situation, but maybe what God is saying to you today is that I want to extricate some stuff out of you. And I think that the leper was not just cleansed of this horrible skin disease, but somehow he got his soul cleansed. And not only did his social status change because he's no longer unclean, by the way, and so he can move around freely in society. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Uh, But his spiritual status has changed because he's become a citizen the kingdom of God. And then finally, always remember this, that to Jesus, there are no outcasts. So expect God to move among and in folks that you, that you least expect, right? And be ready to give thanks to Jesus, thanks to God for what you see him doing in the lives of those around you who were, when they were at the high school, they got voted least likely to succeed. That's the God we serve. Now, I, I, I think about our, our and I think I'm so grateful for, you know, what, what Greg shared about, you know, how some of the people in, in, the, in, the, in this community perceive us and what we're trying to do 
and what we're trying to be as a church. And it's, it's hard, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a challenge. We have to maintain order. We have to maintain the safety and the integrity of our, of our, of our facility. Uh, we have to maintain the uh, certain order in our worship services and that kind of thing. But we, by, by the grace of God, we always want to treat every human being with dignity and respect even when we have to be firm in that and we have to give tough love, we still want to do it with and affirming everyone's dignity because in Jesus there are no outcasts, right? There are no outcasts. Um, and so, and I don't know, I'm not, by the grace of God, I, I'm not, I, 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 my life is open-ended. I don't, you know, I, I, as I tell you guys, I probably my retirement age, probably you know, 95 or something like that, if by the grace of God I can get there. <laughs> Because uh, that's how long it's going to take me to accumulate enough, <laughs> especially with the rent being so high in L.A. But, but I, I, this is going to be an interesting next few years because our, this, this community is changing and we're changing. And um, God, I believe that, that, that there's, a, there's a wave of, 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 of blessing coming. I think that God is certainly not through with us and will do some wonderful things, but he's going to continue to use us to just to be a, a, a beacon of hope, to share what we can and to do what we can to show his love and to, 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 to relieve what suffering we can and to love in what, whatever manner we're able to uh, because there are no outcasts and God loves everybody and everyone is precious and important to God. Amen? Amen. And so expect to see things that, you, that will blow your minds. I, and would you, would you dare to pray with me? Say, God, would you blow our minds? Would you save some of the least likely people? Would you populate this, uh, this place with, with people whose lives have been radically and totally transformed by the power of, of the Holy Spirit, by the grace of God, by the love of God? I, listen, I, I don't know about you, but I, 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 I do. I want to be a 10 percenter. I, I want to be part of that vocal minority that doesn't, forget or neglect to thank God for his blessings, great and small, little stuff. You know, you know, little stuff like the parking space, like, like, you know, the phone call from a long lost friend, whatever. I, I, I want to be part of that. I want, I want to be the kind of grateful person. Don't you this morning, you want to be the kind of grateful person that Jesus is looking for. I, I want to w- walk in the blessings that result uh, when we take time to give Thanks to God with a grateful heart. And I don't want to be the kind of person who takes God's blessings for granted. But I want to be the kind of person who would, at a drop of a hat, lift up a loud voice of praise, honor, and thanksgiving. And I do a lot of mine sometimes through my hands on the, on the keyboard. That's one of, uh, sometimes the reason I, I get so worked up in it because that's one of the places when I get into that space, that's where I'm saying with everything in my being, thank you, God, for all you've done for me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for my family. Thank you for the, the wonderful people that you've placed in my life. Thank you for protecting me, keeping me well. Thank you that, that you've, you've enabled my life to have meaning and to be some significance, that I get to do things that, that mean something and make a difference. Thank you, God, for, your, for, my, for my children. Thank you, thank you God, for my, my two beautiful little grandbabies. Uh, thank you, God, for, for, for all the wonderful people that, that you've placed me in relationship. You know, I, I want to be the kind of person that, that lives in that spirit all the time. I, I want to, and I want to just be willing at all times to lift up a loud voice of thanksgiving. And with that being said, I never want to forget this, that no matter how bad things may seem, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what my situation, you know what the truth is? There's always somebody worse off than you. Right? Oh, Lord. 
Why'd you let this happen to me? And you don't have to give thanks for everything. That's, that's, that, that's, that's, that's silly. Thank you for this, this, this headache. No. But what we do is we give thanks in everything. For this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. And so here's the deal. No matter what you're faced with, no matter what you're going through, there's always someone that is going, whose plight is worse than yours. So no matter what, there's always something to give thanks for. One of the things I like to do, kind of based upon the spiritual exercises of, of, uh, Ignatius, uh, of the Ignatius of St. Ignatius of Loyola, is a certain way of, of, of at the end of the day, you, uh, you, you stop. You know, and you, as you lay there on your pillow, as you sit quietly, you review the day. And you, and you think, and what you're looking for is you're looking to, to think about moments in, in, that, in that day that you've just lived out where uh, you've, in, you've, you've sensed the presence of God or encountered the grace of God or the blessing of God in some little way. And sometimes you have to stop. That's where the old folks used to say, count your many blessings, name them one by one. And sometimes you have to stop and take inventory because we just rush through stuff. That's why some folks find journaling very helpful because they have to go back and, and, and they, they have to think about what's going on in their mind and in their life and in their heart. But just stop. If you stop and think about it, you might remember that one positive conversation at the water cooler at work or that one person who, who you were able to, to lift their spirits or that, that, one, that one prompting of the Holy Spirit that maybe kept you out of a dangerous situation at one the time when you, you know, when you, when the light turned green and though you n- normally stomp on it, for some reason you waited five seconds until that car ran the light in front of you. And you stop and think about it and say, God, thank you. I could, I mean, when you hear where I live is a, the ambulance company has a office around the corner where they hang out between calls. And so you hear, I hear ambulances kind of in the distance through the night. And, you know, sometimes later I said, Lord, thank you that I'm not taking a ride in one of those buggies tonight. Thank you that, I, that I'm not on my way to the, to the hospital. Thank you that, that, I, that I have, as, as, as folks would say, the activity of my limbs. Thank you that, that, I, that I have breath still uh, in my lungs, that the blood is still running warm in my veins. Thank you that you woke me up this morning, and I believe by the grace of God you'll wake me up tomorrow morning. If not, I'll be in your presence better off than I started. Thank you, God, that you saved me. And so I don't have to worry about being lost for eternity. I, I have a relationship with you. Thank you. Oh, I, I give thanks for and when I, about for all this stuff, I, th- I lay there sometimes I'm like, man, I think about maybe a conversation I had with one of my kids or, or a, 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 a kid that I was able to help at work, you know, and, and I'd say, Lord, thank you. And, you. and I go to sleep and I'm blessed. Try it. It'll work for you. Be- become a part of the 10%, okay? Can we do that? Amen. Father, we thank you. We do. Thank you for this gathering today, for this service. Thank you for this this fellowship of, of believers. Oh, we, the anointing of your Holy Spirit was present here with us today. And as we worshiped, uh, the love of God is f- present in this room. The, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding uh, is, is ruling and reigning in our hearts today. And Lord, we, 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 we thank you. We thank you for, for Christ. We thank you for what Jesus has done for us. We thank you for saving us. We thank you for your love. Thank you for the love that, that, that will never fail us. We thank you that nothing can separate us from your love. Thank you that we are more than conquerors through Christ. We thank you that though the wages of sin is death, the gift of God is eternal life 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you that it's by grace we've been saved and that not of ourselves. Uh, it's the gift of God, not of works, so we have no place for boasting. Thank you, Lord, that we are, we are your workmanship. and We're created in you for good works that you have planned and prepared in advance for us to do. Lord, we simply say thank you. Can you just open your mouth one more time and just say thank you. Say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. We bless your name. We praise your name. We love you. Amen.